Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What the fuck, Nicks? How are you? This is Mark Marin. This is WTF. Welcome to the show. I, uh, again, sometimes I have these moments where I am self-conscious about the amount that I use the word fuck, especially last, last week when I have a guy like Monty Hall on. I imagine some people are checking in, and even Monty himself might have been checking in, thinking like, I wonder how this interview is going to be, and then he's got to sort of you know, muscle through a bunch of fucks and uh, you know, my pathetic problems to get to this uh, lovely interview we did together. Sometimes I question it. Sometimes I wonder. Don't paralyze yourself with assumptions. I wrote that down. Don't paralyze yourself with assumptions. It's all bullshit. It's all your perception. Be in the present. Be in acceptance. God damn it, I turned 50 on Friday. I turned 50 years old and I'm not processing it. Should have been should have been a big birthday. Was not that big a birthday. A little, a little bittersweet, I got to be honest with you. But, uh, you know, it's not even a matter of a, ha- a half a century old. I, it, that, that's not the issue. The issue is, is that, you know, I'm certainly more than halfway done. This is the final stretch, man. This might be the fourth quarter. There's no, you don't want to be in the position where you got to make a, some sort of Hail Mary pass. Oh, Jesus, I fucked up. I hope I catch it. My brother told me, my brother, the Jewish guy, a little more Jewy than me, says, well, you know, it's Simchat Torah. My birthday fell on Simchat Torah, which is the day that they end the Torah for the year and they begin reading the next day. That was the transition. Let's start the Torah over. Let's start it over. Let's look at it a different way. God damn it. I'm 50 years old and I'm okay. I have Kurt Kurtwood on the sh- I have Kirk. Wow. Kurt Kirkwood on the show. The Meat Puppets. Seminal band. An important band. Some of you may not know who they are, but they were an important band, and they were important before I knew they were important, of course, like everything else in my life. I missed it. I missed a boat on that. What was I doing? I don't know. Ruminating about bullshit. Trying to fit in. Trying to figure it out. I got to stop trying to figure it out. By the way, I want to thank the uh, the folks at Yuckaholics for having me th- this year. There's a yearly benefit that I did on Saturday, two shows at the Beverly Hills High for for alcoholics and drug addicts and the like uh, to to benefit uh, sober living facilities, and it was spectacular, spectacular show, amazing performing for like minded people. Boy, the places you can go when you're talking to an audience that uh, whose spiritual identity is too much information. That's the spirituality. The spirituality of recovery is, you got a second? Because I got a lot of shit going on. And maybe by talking to you, I'll process some of that. Can you, can, you hold the, can you hold the ground? Can you hold it? Can you hold the space? Can you hold the space for my bullshit so I can feel better about myself? Absolutely. Absolutely, I can hold the space for your bullshit. Because if you talk about your bullshit, that means I'm not thinking about my bullshit. That is the glory of community right there. We'll all get through this bullshit together. So those were good shows. All right, Kurt Kirkwood. So here's what happens. My buddy Josh Clover, Jane Dark, Joshua Kaplan, 
important poet who I used to live with, he did a blurb on a book called The Whistling Song by a guy named Stephen Beachy. Stephen Beachy is a writer uh, who I thought had died, but he didn't. He's written a few books. Was a uh, University of Iowa guy, I believe, an undergrad, Iowa Writers Workshop, and I think that's where Josh got it. But uh, The Whistling Song was his first book that I got, and I was fascinated with the cover, and I was fascinated with the quote from the actual whistling song in the opening pages of the book. These are Kurt Kirkwood lyrics. It's a shadow in the door, the silver in the park. It's a broken, faded bird you've learned to call your heart. It's hotter than you can seek, plainer than you or me. I don't pull the lock back, and I don't have the key. Holy shit. That just... It's mind-blowing because it's like, I want to understand it. I want to, This is beautiful poetry. Where is it? What does it mean? What does it mean? It's a broken, faded bird you've learned to call your heart. How do you... That is fucking spectacular. So I read that novel and I read, I read that passage from that song. I looked at the cover art on the whistling song by Stephen Beachy. And I was like, who did that? Kurt Kirkwood from the Meat Puppets. And I started to look around for information on the meat puppets. And I found out who they were, this sort of renegade undefinable band that kind of broke out, I believe out of Texas, you know, during the uh, tail end of the punk era, but we're not definable, but important. Did I mention that you might know them from, uh, you know, the Nirvana unplugged, the brothers meet. Those are the Kirkwood brothers. Kurt uh, Cobain did a few of their songs on Nirvana Unplugged. I think he did Lake of Fire and Plateau and uh, uh, maybe one other one. But the Whistling Song, that's Meat Puppets 2. That was the fucking album. So I started to just go crazy, go crazy looking around for Meat Puppet stuff. And that was 1990. And that album came out in 1984. So, of course, I'd missed the boat. But, man, when I got into Meat Puppets 2, I was like, holy shit. Where the fuck are these guys coming from? This kind of like psychedelic, borderline pop, kind of punk, a little bit country, fucking, you know, tight ass, rock and roll, undefinable music. Wizards. So when I was in Austin, Texas, you know, around the same time that uh, I talked to Hunt Sales, I, I tracked down Kurt Kirkwood and got him to come over and talk to me for a while. And I was, I was thrilled about it because he's a, he's a real artist, man. He's a guy out there, pushes the limits cycle, you know, just in the, in terms of the imagination and the, the parameters of his own creativity. It's a fascinating guy. I enjoy talking to him. You know, some people might think, well, what's with all the musicians? Well, these guys were, are fucking great. And a lot of people don't know the Meat Puppets. And it's it's phenomenal stuff. They're on tour. They're going to be on tour September 30th. That's tonight. They'll be in Madison, Wisconsin at the Frequency. They'll be in uh, Toledo, Ohio at Frankie's on October 1st. They'll be there on October 2nd, too. Looks like they'll be in Lansing, Michigan at Max Bar. I don't know. I'm just looking at the you know, the Meat Puppets website, but... He's a great guitar player. They got some great songs. And, you know, I'd recommend it. And it's like, it was it was great talking to him. I'm 50 years old, folks. 
50 years old. I got to try to get it right. I got to try to get it right. Here's me and Kurt Kirkwood. Kurt Kirkwood, this is the, we're at the uh, cutting edge of media right now. All right. <laughs> this feel pretty good? Yes, yes, it does. <laughs> the air smells wonderful. <laughs> the meat puppets are back. Yeah, if we were ever here to begin with. Yeah. You know. is, that a, is that a philosophical question? Is that something you really think about? Nah, not too much. I never really quit doing it. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, I, I mean, my brother went away. I. Uh, he literally went away. Pretty much. He just you know kind of fell off the face of the earth for about 10 years yeah uh and that's the core of the band is you and your bro yeah and derek our old drummer and uh when chris kind of went derek became a little bit disenfranchised and i moved out here i moved to la for a few years moved out here just trying to see what to do i mean i didn't know like how away chris was yeah i had to to kind of let time gauge that and well some shit went down right yeah definitely yeah definitely a lot <laughs> like uh he got into an altercation that was the end of it i mean he he became heavily involved in substance abuse and, yeah and uh you know had a lot of personal tragedy and just that went on for a long time with intermittent spells in the can and then he uh he wound up having an altercation uh, and uh, taking a, fle- a few slugs. Yeah, he took one in the back from uh-huh. from a, a fairly large caliber yeah. <laughs> weapon. Yeah, uh, it's uh, hard, man. I mean, you know, rock and roll. It's like I mean, there's nobody that I've talked to it, that that doesn't have that in their story or in the band story. I mean, it's rough, man. Well, he hit somebody that was armed. He hit a cop. And <laughs> <laughs> well, I was talking about the substance abuse. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't have to get to that degree. No. <laughs> He hit a cop. You got to be pretty fucking high to hit a cop. He, he, I don't, you know, yeah. he claims at the time, no. Yeah. He, he was, uh, I don't know what he was up to. He was at the post office doing something and had an argument with somebody over a parking space and it led to, you know. Taking a bullet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just didn't like the way he looked or something. I don't know. Oh, shit. <laughs> and we were, you guys, uh, you're not twins. No, he's a couple years younger than I am. And, and where'd you grow up? Phoenix primarily. We were both born here in Texas. And uh-huh. I was in Wichita Falls. He's Amarillo. Yeah. Uh, we moved to Phoenix early in grade school, and that's where that's where it started. started. And yeah, he still lives out there. Yeah, and, and like because I, I know Phoenix pretty well. That's pretty flat land out there, man. Yeah, the town part of it is. Yeah. But, you know, it's unique because it has all those mountain preserves right in town. Yeah. It's, it's, they're you know it's a it's a great place i still love phoenix it's beautiful and the town itself is can be a little rough yeah you know any big city is and how'd you end up from going in how'd you end up both being born in different cities in texas and then air force oh your dad was in the air force what rank was he a lieutenant oh really yeah he was rotc he went into to uh the air force as a second lieutenant out of rotc and and uh you know he wound up in the computer biz he didn't stay in the air force too long yeah so you were on a couple bases mm-hmm. and that was never that was never your trajectory it was never laid no, on you like no, we always lived off base oh that's good i was born at the base yeah and, uh but uh, in wichita falls but by the time we were in amarillo we weren't living on base and when did you start playing when i was nine well, i started playing clarinet in the fourth grade uh, yeah in the school band and i thought guitar looked easier i i <laughs> I didn't think you had to push down on the strings on electric guitars. Right. I thought you said to touch them. Yeah. And, uh, 
And uh, so I told my mom I wanted to quit playing clarinet. She said, you got to play an instrument. That's good. Yeah, that was her deal. What was her, her logic behind that? Did she play one or she just saw, like, get them focused no, on something? She'd made, she always had us doing stuff. Do, yeah, take some painting lessons. Yeah. I'd take some oil painting lessons and do some music lessons. And, uh, you know, I was in 4 H. I had a lot of chickens and we had horses, you know. Uh, chickens. Lots of chickens. That was, was my it, thing. What was the thing about 4-H? I mean, because I, I grew up in New Mexico, but like I, uh, you know, I grew up. My parents were transplanted from New Jersey, but it was like a thing. It was like to set you up with the agricultural future kind of deal. Mm, kind of. I mean, you could do uh, carpentry too, which I did. You could take take that thing too. But uh, did horses. My mom had grown up on around horses, and so yeah. we always had horses. And her, her husband, who we moved out to Phoenix with when I was five or six, he. Uh, he his business was race horses thoroughbreds so uh -huh. we lived out by turf paradise the racetrack and uh we had about a, a dozen horses on our property at any time and so you can be around horses i don't particularly care to i don't trust them yeah right no they're too big they're, i feel you, the same way they're too big and uh you know i rode a lot that's how we, and back then in phoenix you could ride on the streets you probably still can like yeah. in scottsdale and right the right places it's legal yeah and so we would just you know so you didn't think about twice about it then but now you've sort of gotten some sort of healthy fear i got it back then i got get my ass bit. handed to me enough times by them bit kicked yeah you yeah know, whatever they if they want to they can hurt you so so there was always sort of some uh compulsion to do uh to create shit uh, I always liked it. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I always loved cartoons. I loved Disney and yeah. and the Warner Brothers. Yeah, and Coco the Clown, whatever. Yeah, you know. So, uh, and then my early buddy in grade school, he was real good. Uh, there was three of us that all liked to do it, and a couple of us liked motorcycles. I was way into motorcycles too. I, I liked to race motocross. You did that? Yeah. Jumped him and shit. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. That was that was my. That's what I thought I wanted to do when I got out of high school. You know, was so. just be one of those guys on the bike and flying over shit. Yeah, and race. Yeah, you know, I just I wasn't that good. Yeah, and my friend was pretty good, but all of us wound up being artists. Um, uh, yeah, I didn't want to finish high school and all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I did it, and I did a couple of years of trying to go to college. Uh, so my mom was just. You know, you got to do it. Just yeah. don't be stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where'd yeah. you learn your chops? I mean, how'd you learn how to play on your own? Or, well, I started playing classical guitar, and the guy was a real good teacher, a Spanish guy. On uh, the wrong knee with your fingers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and I learned finger style from him. You know, so um, you can pick. Yeah, yeah, but I never pursued that really. I didn't. I I took lessons from another guy that did like chordal lead stuff like had played with uh, barney kessel and Heavy had his jazz. own music shop yeah, yeah, yeah he was real good too both these guys are real good players yeah and uh i didn't like reading music as a thing i really didn't like sitting there looking at the charts and the stuff and i i'm not a uh prof, pro, proficient yeah reader yeah uh, yeah, yeah. that kind of went away pretty quick yeah but and by the time i was in high school i think by the time i was a freshman in high school i quit taking lessons my mom was, you know, okay, now I'm in high school. I can, uh, you know, buckle down on the books and, and yeah. that kind of stuff. But yeah. then then people started bringing guitars to school later in high school, and there was something of a status thing. And yeah, none of them yeah. could really play. 
And I was like, well, I kind of know how to play the guitar. Yeah. I hadn't played it in <laughs> yeah. a few years, but yeah. I started playing it a little bit. And and uh, I was another guy that was pretty good, and he kind of rocked out. And yeah. we would play like Ridgetop, Jesse Colin Young, or yeah, like yeah. some. We listened to Steve Stills. He liked Steve Stills a yeah. lot. And, yeah. But he said I sucked. <laughs> I, you know, and I kind of did for that. I knew what I'd kind of been taught. Yeah. I knew how to play Brown Eyes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but, uh, I just, uh, I really started liking it. Yeah. I thought it was, you know, uh, just a cool thing. I'd c started kind of getting out of racing motorcycles because I was getting hurt. And do you still do you still ride? No, not at all. I don't. It's just stupid, right? After a certain yeah, point, I've been in the hospital and all that. You know, I, yeah. I, I had my lumps. I've fallen off the bike a lot of times, going well over fifty. And oh man, and, uh, you know, you got protective gear, but. How still, much is, you still can only take so much of a hit. No, it's it, you, uh, <laughs> after the last big spill. I kind of it's just one of those things you got to get back on it, or you're gonna you know you're gonna wind up afraid of it, which I kind of was, and I think that's healthy. I'm I don't care. Horses and bikes are out. Yeah, anything too with too much of a potential for bodily harm, I'm not there. I, you know, I was just I like to rock climb and all this kind of crazy crap when yeah, I was yeah. a kid. You yeah, know, I, I would do anything. I. Um, when I, I when I when I graduated high school, I was seventeen. I moved to Canada. I wanted to. I liked outdoor sports a lot too. Yeah. I liked to hunt and fish growing up. Yeah. And, uh, you Had know, some guns. I did. Yeah. And uh, I really liked to fish, so I moved up to uh, Northwest Ontario. I got a job at a float plane base that uh, was ferrying sports fishermen to remote locations to you know do their thing, and that was awesome. I wound up up in. Uh, I was headed up to the Arctic. I got a job up there to run a boat up on the Chantry River. And uh, on the way up there, the airplane went down in the tundra outside of Churchill, Manitoba. The one you were on? Yeah. I wound up there at Churchill, missing the job up in the Arctic. Uh, I hooked up with some other people that gave me a job washing dishes and yeah. cooking up at Baker Lake, uh, Northwest Territories. So I stayed up there through the season. It starts to get real cold. I had to go back and... Uh, my mom wanted me to go to college, so I came back and, and did that. But I, well, I was up there, I realized how rough it was doing this kind of stuff that I like to do. And uh, just it, it kind of put a healthy respect of just, you know, well, the kind of, about everything I like to do. I kind of had a, just not a full reverse, but I definitely still, I still like to go hiking and stuff, but I, I realized oh, I really like electricity. Yeah. I like the electric guitar. Yeah. And I never want to do anything. What it really did was made me realize I never want to do anything I don't want to do again. Right, right. Now, and, but you went up there, that's, it's funny to me, you went up there for a base gig, you end up on a boat that's going back and forth in the tundra, so you got out in the wood, you know, got out in the world a bit, but then you go and you're playing what it just it didn't crash you just what happened no it crashed <laughs> it ran out of gas <laughs> it was too it was too much weight on it it was a grum and goose like the fantasy island yeah yeah amphibious thing and yeah there's lots of lakes up there right and he was aiming for a little one but we hit trees you know and oh man it ruined the airplane we i walked out i walked to the lake that's near churchill it's where a polar bear site <clears throat> uh you know yeah sighting uh Vehicles are for the tourists now. You can go and look at polar bears when they're around Churchill in the season. So the plane crash didn't change your life. It was just the cold. And uh, the plane crash did it. <laughs> yeah, that was what did it. I was I felt real lucky. That's unbelievable. And uh, was anybody hurt? And the pilot broke his knee. 
That's you know? it. Yeah, he was a really skilled guy. He had a lot of hours. And yeah, he knew yeah. the airplane. Yeah. He knew how to crash that airplane. Well, I can't even. So. And you just felt it. Like, it was like, we're going down. Oh, he told us. There was only five of us on the airplane. And, and that's what he said? We're going down? Yeah. Oh, God. And he said, I'm, you know, I was, he said he realized he wasn't going to be able to hit the, the water. So uh, it was real violent. And uh, it made me, you know, just, I just had that epiphany. I just said, no matter what, I'm, you know, I'm not, it was almost like, well, you know, You've been spared. You know you can yeah. you can do this now. You, now you can do what you want. Yeah, I still had been hooked up for the college, and you know, once again, I didn't have a lot of motivation one way or the other. I yeah. just figured, well, I got to do something with my life. I was uh-huh. like, oh, yeah, you have to be self motivated, and I wasn't good even with somebody on my ass. So yeah, you know, I just, yeah, I just completely just blew it off. I just then I started jamming more with people, just jamming a little bit and, with the know, electric. Yeah, you know, I was in a, a couple of bands, uh, like uh, right after I got back from my first semester of college. That was the first band where I just turned eighteen, and and uh, I took a music, a jazz lab at Phoenix College, just because yeah. I wasn't, you know, kind of get my mom off my ass there because I was sitting around <laughs> waiting to go the next fall down to U of A. Yeah. So I got in this band and I played with these guys playing disco. And, yeah. And uh, this guy's originals, kind of soft rock, jazz. That was cool. I went down to... What did you listen to when you were a kid, though? How did you end up like being okay with that music, necessarily? I mean, were you, were you brought up on country or any other kind of music? Uh, I loved country. I had listened to a lot of stuff. I listened to... Uh, I always loved you know show tunes. I loved that. I loved The King and I when I was a kid. And oh, yeah? I liked soundtracks. Wizard of Oz I always yeah. thought was great. I, I loved Cabaret when it came out. Great songs and that. You know, I just loved music in general through high school. I mean, I and I, I was... You know, a kid in the '60s. So the Beatles had cartoons, and you had Banana Splits and the Monkees. Yeah. And uh, you know, I like Bobby Sherman, Petula Clark. You know, yeah. Like, all kind of, I loved CCR when they put out. Oh, uh, it's amazing. Have yeah. you seen him lately? He can still fucking. Yeah, it's awesome. All right, so you got it. You brought up with all that stuff, and then and he ended up playing disco. You know, at what point did your your mind get blown in some other direction? Well, it already kind of was. And th- through high school, I started to get into. I saw. A lot of stuff. I, my first concert was Bowie when I was a, a sophomore in, in high school. In Phoenix? Yeah. And I saw, um, you know, Joe Walsh and Charlie Daniels band. I saw Foghat and I saw Leonard Skinner. That was great when I was 14. And um, and then I saw Gentle Giant and I saw Return to Forever. This is all in high school. My friends were kind of Korea? Yeah. You should, you should go see this or you should go see that. Yeah, I did that too. I, mean, I don't think we're much different age. I'm 49. What are you? I'm 54. Yeah, because those are the same. You know, I saw, I didn't get to see Skinner, but like I, or I didn't see Bowie until like much later, but that was when he was sort of like in the middle of it, huh? He was Diamond Dogs. Oh, man. It was really, really fun. Yeah. And uh, that was a big influence on me, too, just seeing that for my first live show and yeah. and, and knowing that that's, okay, that's what it did for me was that that's Bowie. Yeah. And, you know, so nobody else is Bowie. Right. And so you, you have to be yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, so oh, that planted yeah. that thing. Yeah, that was it. And I had no intention of being a musician. I really didn't until, you know, after after high school. I never thought about it, really. So how'd the Meat Puppets start? Um, I just started uh, playing around with some other guys. I was from the West Side, and uh, 
which is more, you know, people listen to Ted Nugent and Deep Purple. and Yeah, I knew those guys. Not the, the bands, but my friends were those guys. Yeah. yeah. The and Nuge, man. Mm -hmm. Did was, you see the Nuge? I have. Yeah, I saw him when I was in high school three times. Yeah. And I was never even that big a fan. I wasn't. I didn't see him then. I went and saw Kiss here in Austin a little while back. A drum player, Shandon Som, yeah. is a huge Kiss Army uh -huh. dude. And he... He got me a ticket or something and said, you got to see Kiss. So I went and saw Kiss and Ted Nugent uh, played with him, and that was, that How was, was interesting. Yeah. yeah he's, he's a good guitar player. Yeah, yeah. he's got his own thing. Uh -huh. yeah. uh, he, you know, As a thinker, he's not that great. But <laughs> He had a big Indian hat on, like uh -huh. a chief's hat, you uh -huh. know, whatever yeah. they're called. Yeah. And he shot an arrow, a flaming arrow at a big picture of Saddam Hussein. It was a oh while back. Wow, yeah. But, Full on. Yeah, it was some theatrics there um but uh yeah my i saw hanging out with some dudes uh just a group of people that were from you know uh lry the liberal religious youth branch of the unitarian church uh interesting you know east side phoenix a little bit more money over there and more uh progressive yeah sort of uh part of town north uh -huh. scottsdale and yeah. paradise valley and and they uh, they were, had you know been listening to different stuff. Uh, and I met Derek Bostrom, who was the original drummer of the Me Puppets. He's turned me on to like dub reggae. I only knew from Bob Marley and Peter Tosh and sure. Jimmy Cliff and stuff. So listened to a lot of that stuff. And then Stiff Little Fingers and and uh, What Have You Germs and uh, uh, all that Black Flag and uh, the Fall and all this different stuff from. From that, from the late seventies. So that kind of blew your mind. Yeah, I went and saw Iggy Pop. Um, what period of Iggy was that? And that was before Less for Life, or right around then? Right around then. Yeah. But the guitar player that he had was definitely, you know, the dude that played on the Dam's first album and yeah, neat, yeah. neat, 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 and all that stuff. So that I was like, interesting approach there. I How was it? That, like, what what was it that made? It? Lots of chords and just yeah. strong, strong yeah, yeah. rhythm playing. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, a cool sound and some abandon and yeah. uh and it just kind of got me interested i didn't know jack about iggy pop and and uh he's fucking great though yeah right? it was it was amazing he was he was just like this little rubber doll he'd throw himself up in the air and land on his side and stuff it was just <laughs> insane i saw devo around the same time uh-huh and they were just out of their minds so this was like the late 70s so it, it, like shit was changing you know that stuff was coming in yeah my band at the time the kind of hard rock band they were like are you gonna go see talking heads or whatever that that punk rock crap and I, oh really i was like yeah check it out you know and lines they, were drawn they were really good too the talking heads were uh, great in the late 70s amazing it must have been amazing and so he's a real rhythm monster too oh yeah that was all about that yeah yeah oh, just play your part you yeah know? yeah yeah and uh so I just got, you know, I started getting ideas of how, you know, how to play outside, you know, with some, some people that just didn't give a crap about what I played. And there was no motivation to be playing in, you know, cover music in yeah. bars or what do you do in Phoenix? You play cover music. Right. So we started just jamming on some, uh, uh, what it, well, you know, like damn stuff, stuff like that, just playing covers. And, yeah. Uh, and uh but just for fun and then talk my brother into playing with us and it just was it sounded big did he play or did he just sort of come to it well he had took some guitar lessons and then he uh 
his, I think the first thing he got was a banjo. We saw Deliverance, so he wanted a banjo. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and then I talked him into playing bass, or he started playing bass somehow. I don't know. He was uh, just just out of high school at that point. Yeah, yeah. And, and he had, uh, we had played some with another guy in this little thing called I, the, a friend of ours. Jesse Stragonchik had wrote all this stuff that was yeah. he was way into television. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we we did that, and it was uh, it was all his songs, and uh, he was kind of the lead singer. And we did one show, and he he came out and just tore all the strings off his guitar, and and he wore a lab coat. And, oh yeah, theatrics, man, yeah. punk rock. And we and I, I realized, oh, that's what the lead singer does. Yeah. And so I. I kind of thought oh, I don't want to play with the lead singer that just is going to hog all the, you know, do this theatrics and I like playing music. That's still kind of how I am. I just I don't. I mean, I like to see it. Yeah. But I just don't really know how to do it. Right. Right. So, um, you know, we're, we're just playing around and we started like we played a party and so, somebody, some friend of ours, he's like, you you want to uh, play my party? Oh yeah. So we don't have a name. He yeah. goes, well, you're the rash. And we played. <laughs> he called, his, uh, he called his, his little house the Magic Kingdom. It's a bunch of stoners. Yeah. And everybody's just out of high school. Yeah. And uh, so we did that. And then we started playing when there'd be a party of some of our friends at their parents' house or whatever, play a little bit like that. And we were, uh, we always just kind of, I mean, we we were into like Art Ensemble of Chicago yeah. and and the Grateful Dead and uh, what have you. Yeah, you got too, some so dead in you, big time. Really, wouldn't be a Meat Puppets without it. Really, when uh, did that really. start? Late teens as well. I went and saw them when I was like probably nineteen. Uh huh. And because I liked this one song I heard on the radio, and I just didn't know that much about them, but I went and saw it. And I which real- song? I think it was Franklin's Tower. Oh yeah, Blues roll away. yeah, roll away. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I thought that was a cool song. And yeah. So I went and saw them, and uh, uh, I realized, oh, these guys are some of the only rock band that do what they want. They don't just go and play their yeah. songs. They, yeah. they jam out. You didn't hear one thing you recognized, right? I just loved yeah, it because yeah. I, I liked that stuff. Like I said, I liked, the, you know, the Ornette. Uh, Coleman. Yeah, and, and all that. I liked I'd seen a lot of that stuff by then, and... And uh, just free form, yeah. Sort of just you know, lay it out. Let's just, just let it go where it goes. Uh-huh. And so I realized, oh, you can you can do that. You can bring all this stuff together. <clears throat> you can bring the rock, <clears throat> the jazz, whatever. It's all fair game. It's all the same. Yeah, that's just a different medium, right? So, and then unlike you know oils and and uh, watercolors, they do mix sure. in these different mediums, it's, right? And so, how serious were you about painting at that time? I've never been serious. I just like to paint. Yeah, you know, I'll do it now and then. Uh-huh. And uh, and uh, you did a few of the covers, right? Did you do all the covers? Yeah, well, I've done a lot of them. I did this most recent one. Yeah, I only got one song off of that they sent me. Yeah, sounds it, pretty good. Well, thank you. Yeah, man. Did you do the Forbidden Places cover? I did. I like that cover. Meat Puppets too. That's a good cover. I That's did that. classic. Different styles on those two. Yeah, you know, just uh, the one's a little bit more abstract. The yeah. one's, you know, I uh, depends on what I've been doing. You know, the Meat Puppets two and was well, it's probably wasted, and just took about five minutes to just 
you know, put something down. And yeah. I always loved Van Gogh. And then I, I think my style is really just like, it's mostly Disney mixed with Van Gogh. You want, I like to have black borders around stuff and have it be cell art, like animation yeah, yeah. cell art. But I like you to be able to see the brush strokes too. So yeah, I can see that on the Forbidden Places cover. So okay, so then okay, so you go see the dead. Were you do, were you doing hallucinogenics then? Um, sometimes. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you took them? Yeah. When was that? Um. Right before I turned eighteen. Yeah. What was it? Acid. Yeah. Yeah. What did it do to you? Did it change? Like, because there's some people, you know, you talk to. Like, it's interesting because you you listen to Robert Crumb talk about acid, and he was a dude that was just a you know straight up ink art dude and then like he said that that just did it and then you start to see the the big steps you know and that kind of shit did it have some sort of impact where you kind of change the lens permanently well crumb had already had an impact i i came across one of his books looking for an animation book in yeah the hunter's book yeah. when i was a kid so i had bought head comics yeah uh, uh, yeah compilations chris and i grew up on it. i learned a lot about drawing from our crumb and a lot about life, probably. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. I, the first time I saw, like, humans fucking, it was in... <laughs> okay, know? yeah. A lot of that stuff. It was all there, you know? Yeah. Just get it at the head shop. Get those uh, Zap comics or the, uh -huh. you know, Carlos. Yeah, we comic. started getting Zap. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. You know, in junior high. Yep. So I got turned on Robert Williams and S. Clay Wilson and the, the, the Checker Demon and all that stuff. Fucking Checker Demon, dude. Yeah. S. Clay's panels. That's fucking mind-blowing shit. Yeah. So, I mean, it's this eugenics was more of, of just a, a validation of stuff like going up in the 60s and seeing psychedelic poster art or uh -huh. just what are these people about at all like just yeah. you know uh, what was going on i was like oh yeah okay now i get it you yeah know, after I, you took acid yeah 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 and yeah. and uh there's uh, a frequency you know what i mean there's yeah a, there's a sparkle to it all you know yeah you kind of done psychotropics or you didn't yeah you know, yeah, yeah that's yeah. the way it goes to, to a degree <laughs> yeah no i don't i don't know that's maybe that's the too hardcore of a thing but that's kind of how it felt at the time yeah i was like whoa you know now you see things through your new vampire eyes yeah you know like, <laughs> like uh, yeah, yeah yeah and uh you know same you know grateful dead uh was uh one of those things that was avowedly and gong to david allen's gong uh, was a, a big one for me. And oh yeah. Then, then I started realizing what Pink Floyd really was. Right. And all this different sure. stuff. And, uh, but we also had a little group of friends that would just we just like to let things go too with the art and see. You know, we were we would build art out of anything. We would ruin all of our new stuff and just you know put put it all together and then set fire to it. And that was you know sure, the man. way we did art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And. Uh, that's what the meat puppets came out of. Right. So it was just sort of, it was like a convergence of everything you'd just been leading towards and then you're sort of supported by the tone of what was going on in art and culture at that time. Cognitive, well it was punk rock. Yeah. Was, was kind of the, that was the, 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 the little scene in Phoenix. And it yeah. wasn't, a, it wasn't that, there wasn't that big of a scene, maybe 100 to 200 people that would go to any show. And there was a bunch of, bands around like that like the feeders and the killer pussy sun, yeah. sun city girls yeah 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 um not, not even a whole bunch of bands but and jfa but we uh yeah that's we kind of we we realized well they'll let us play here and, and also the la 
punk rock scene had a lot of people in it too that weren't just punk rock like the human hands or the bee people and stuff that became wall of voodoo and then there was performance artists like joanna went and it was just open do whatever you want on stage right right and that was uh, that was a major influence there too so we could take our little thing in there and play some real fast stuff and we could play real fast back then and uh, we but you weren't it. really calling it necessarily, you know, punk. No, we never did. No. And and then how'd you get hooked up with SST? How'd that happen? Well, we played a show with Black Flag and Phoenix, and they asked if we wanted to put a record out like that night. Right. And it was real simple. And did you record it in L.A.? Yeah. The first Meat Puppets record. Yeah. And that was hard. It was the music was fast. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Well, we did like Walking Boss and Tumble and Tumbleweeds as well. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, Tumble and Tumbleweeds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we did, a, you know, the way we were doing stuff back then, which was just like purposely erase the whatever borders could be erased without completely obscuring the tune. Right, right, right. But uh, and then get beyond that, even so, you're not thinking about it. You know, you don't want to be thinking. Right. So you just use that as a framework and then just fucking go. Yeah. 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 Uh, just kind of air guitar style. <laughs> really, yeah, yeah. Really just faking it. Uh huh. But then getting it down. But it worked. It was cool. It was fun to do. It was always fun to do. A lot of. We, you know, so we found people in the punk rock audience that liked us a little bit, but also a lot of people didn't like it was we would play things like, uh, you know, just whatever. We, yeah. We'd play Everybody's Talking, you know, yeah. or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd, we'd, we'd play a, you know, something off of a Broadway thing, something that we figured out. Just shake it up. Yeah, and then you'd spit on and have really? crap thrown at us and stuff a lot. Really? Well, brutal people back then. That's, Even though you were doing it in your own version and there was a sense of humor about it? Well, you got to get the people that are just into loud, fast rules. That was, right. that was what right. it was. And that also was a big influence going, wait a second, I'm in this free music scene, but now, now there's boundaries here too. It has to be this way. Right. Which I think was something that Black Flag liked about us was that you know they were being held to the you know what they were and that was pre-rollins black yeah flag. yeah yeah well right you know right around that time rollins came in when i've i i heard the early black flag but right about that time it was like 82 mm -hmm. when we did it we'd put out one little single called in a car which was put out for some people in a band called monitor in la a great band uh completely unique wonderful band and they had a punk rock song that they wanted us to play that they'd written and yeah and then in exchange for that they let us record like some of our own stuff so we spent the evening just doing that and wound up with our little in a car seven inch and then the next one the first uh, sst was kind of a extension of that it's kind of same era yeah <clears throat> did it out uh, in la and uh you know just uh then went we went out to, we, we were doing a lot of shows with punk rock bands from flipper to dead kennedy's to you name it you know tsol any of that stuff black flag any of the punk rock bands. So we were really getting exposed to a lot of, uh, of people who were opposed, you know, to what we were doing. And just, we could fit, clear a room out, you know, fast. And we, really? we would try to. Oh, really? If, we, if that was the vibe, uh, yeah, I'd give them what for and let them know, you know. But you were pushing the envelope in a different way, but they were just so limited to just, you know, blasting out some fucking energy. So it seemed, and it was, you know, it just... I, I don't know. We would just, we would just, you know, fall apart on purpose and play this stuff that was just completely 
crap and insane too and you know just fuck with them as much as we possibly could and try and get them to leave and uh which what is, was your what was your uh, go-to room clear oh uh, you know get the fuck out just leave you, you just suck noise. yeah whatever yeah. just fight them yeah, I didn't really argue much. You have a microphone, so you could sure. tell them, you know. Yeah, yeah. You could tell them some classic stuff. You yeah, tell them, yeah. Oh, you know, don't complain too much. Don't we? We'll get your parents in here and get them married real soon, and and you know, <laughs> somebody get a shovel and clean that up, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Just or just, but mostly it was musically. We'd just, you know, freak out and and not play real songs and jam out. And sometimes we'd play real slow. And I mean, we were never just. Some of that stuff is great. We would we always taped everything, and you'd hear it back. You go, "Wow, that was really cool," you know. And so people didn't like it. Whatever yeah. they they come to hear this or that, and yeah. I realize, and that's an e even more of an incentive to play just what you want. So sure. then I really started kind of writing uh, more from uh, outside of the scene, which I'd been caught up in a little bit there. Quit. I still like to play fast stuff and. I still do it sometimes, but it wasn't just like I kind of took a step outside of it and started writing some like folkier stuff with the with the second record. Yeah, with Me Puppets too. It was just and that became the that's a huge record. It was uh, like important. Yeah, you know, to some people for sure. I think they like. I get told that all the time. That's the this you know this uh, your well, hallmark or your. Well, it's just such a variety of, of stuff, and there was like a real kind of rawness to it. But you know, everything was like there's songs on there that you would think are slow, but they they feel like they're barely held together, and it's yeah. like kind of you know what I mean. It's juiced up like that. You yeah, know? Uh, I I mean I re I really liked it. Yeah. At the time, I yeah. thought it was I thought it was great i i started kind of also all along was like i just wish we could like play these songs like you know somebody else i wish we could just play them the way they they kind of are just they're just these songs like who would that they're be just simple like songs yeah oh right you know and the, and the years later with the unplugged nirvana thing that's how you know they they were played more straight and real nice and i'd always thought that would be a good idea anyway so i thought that was a great representation of those three songs which are all off of me puppets too yeah yeah i went and saw you guys in san francisco maybe uh i'm thinking like 92 93 at slims maybe or one mm -hmm. of those places down there and i was all into you know me puppets too of course i'm like as usual late to the party but you know so i'm all hung up on the on that album and i go see you then and man you guys tore through that shit you know, yeah, you, we never played it quite like that. Yeah, you know, we and same with Up on the Sun. We we would make these records that had a nice sense to them, and then go out live and just play them three times as fast. Right. And we yeah. lived in our own world. We just didn't realize it. We just kept getting tighter and tighter. Well, that and, was the thing. Is like you know, it was it, it was much faster, but like you know, you guys were fucking on top of it. There was like no, there was no air to it. But it wasn't like you were you were. It was no in no way sloppy. It was almost tighter. Oh, it was way yeah. We we became more like you know, we started kind of looking at it like NASCAR event. Yeah, 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 yeah. But at the same time, you know, just to have it once again, it's it's you know, just I kind of I think it was unintentionally just defying whatever was going on at any time. You know, we would be people would think it's this, and I'd read about that. Oh, this is what people think, and then something inside me would go, well. 
I like prints, you know. I like a lot of stuff. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna wear some spandex. Sure. Um, you know, I'm I'm gonna do, do you, whatever I feel like and not play to any any of the stuff that people think it is. Do you want to be pigeonholed? No, no, it didn't seem didn't seem like something that I could hold up. Oh, that was it. You didn't want to have to answer to yourself or the yeah, expectations yeah. that. You know, like it'd be, it'd be like, why don't they play that? Because it happened to me. You know, I'm like, oh, let's go see the Meat Puppets. Do have Meat Puppets too? And then you did this other thing. It was great, but like, it wasn't, you know, what I heard. Yeah, and I always like to go see people and have them play their songs and see it, you know, done well and stuff like that. But I just, and I think it's, I kind of learned how to do that. But definitely coming up and making a bunch of records through the '80s and even into the '90s, it was, I just didn't get it. I didn't, you know, I just only wanted to play it how it felt good right. <laughs> right mix it up yeah just you know just just really nail it down just uh, uh, just make it as sick as possible whether that's a good that was song. tight nail it down yeah that yeah. was that was one that they tried to get on the radio before backwater uh, yeah yeah th that's where they that song made him go hey we could maybe get these guys on the radio even though it didn't happen but at that yeah. point everything was so fucking tight the production was so tight I mean, when I when I would like think about the evolution of what you guys were doing, that whatever labels were being hung on you, whether it was you know cowpunk or psychabilly, we well, are not psychabilly, but certainly you kind of got lumped into some sort of psychedelic punk thing. But like maybe early on was like that, but then like when you guys got so fucking tight, it was it was trippier than when you guys were chaotic, because it was just like there was almost like a frequency to it that it was just so tight. What's that one tune where? You're like singing like 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 rapid speed. Same yeah. era, Sam probably. Yeah, yeah, Sam. Yeah, right, the auctioneer song. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. I always loved to go to auctions, and so I figured I'd try my hand at that. And uh, that was insane, man. Yeah, well, that was fun. But then you got Pete Anderson producing it, and he had been coming from playing guitar with Dwight Yoakam and play and produced all Dwight's albums back then, and had that. A Detroit guy, yeah, kind of, and had that production line, cool automobile thing, and the Nashville thing showed. showed your guitar sound is so like you know, like just like yeah, I don't know how you would describe it, but it was just you know, it was right on. Everything was like you know what I mean. There was not a lot of space in there. Yeah, that was fun. We still do that one. That's yeah. still a good one. Yeah, it's, that's always been a lot faster than it is on the record live. It's always just as like. We're just trying to keep up with ourselves. And that's, a, that's fun. Uh, it's way fun. That's a blast. That so one. when, I guess like one question that like I have, because like there's a lot of people that, you know, didn't, don't necessarily know Meat Puppets too, or, but like where were you guys at as a band when Kurt decided to do that? I mean, how did that come about? Because I mean that, you know, just the fact that those three tunes are on that record, that must've changed things up a bit. It did. Uh, we, uh, we're out on tour with them. We were opening for them right after they start. They put uh, In Utero out, and I really didn't know them very well. I didn't. I had heard uh, a few things um, even before Smells Like Teen Spirit. People yeah. were saying, "You like Seattle music? Have you heard Nirvana? You want to check that out?" Like and Bleach. I, mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, but we were moving all the time back then, and we we're just doing our own thing. And I. And I heard Teen Spirit on the radio, and I thought that was really cool. And and then uh, all of a sudden, they asked if we want to go out on tour with them out of the clear blue because I didn't know those guys. And then 
So he sure we'll do it. And then when we're out for a few days, and Kurt said, "Hey, you want to play uh, with us on our unplugged thing? We want to do some of your songs, and we don't really know, how, you know, how you're playing that stuff. So would you come and play the guitar and bass and yeah, and uh, sure, yeah, you know." So I thought that was a good. He's a great singer, and yeah. I thought my thought at the time was if somebody was going to do this from the rock thing, I think Kurt would understand what I was trying to do. You know, with my limited vocal uh, abilities, you know, I, but what I'm trying to do is really uh, what I would say was my version of George Jones, who's like really probably my favorite singer, great singer in a lot of ways, yeah. through the years, yeah. Uh, um, even though it's you know it's not rock or something, but in the in the for for what you know he's just he's like to me that's like Van Gogh or sure. Or, you know, or Shakespeare or yeah. something in their yeah. in their leagues, a guy can do whatever. But I thought, man, either Kurt Cobain or George Jones could do these songs. So Cobain's doing them, and I, you know, really, I think he did. You know, made like I said, I always wanted to hear him kind of played without the hysteria of youth that we put in him. Uh -huh. You know, I mean, we were still just right out of our teens, and we were doing that, and just. Still loving in Phoenix, you know, yeah, and playing yeah. in punk rock. Full shows. of rage and the beans. Yeah, just. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he did it, man. He, like, you know, I mean, his version of uh, Lake of Fire, I, I don't think is, you know, it's a little more, maybe a little slower, but I mean, his vocals on it was not, it was sort of a, a homage to how you did it. I mean, he did it sort of like you, didn't you think? Yeah, I kind of think you know he. I think he got what I was doing there, which is to try to to put something in there that's, you know, it's almost like the the my goal at the time was to kind of get beyond emotion. It's not just pat, you know, some sort of like expression of emotion. It's like you don't know what it is, right? You know, is it hysteria? You know, is it just pathos? Is it is it uh, insanity? Is it beauty? You know, it's but it's beyond some kind of emotional thing. I don't just want to, you know, like sing my heart out. I don't know how, really how to do that. Right. I don't know that I'm that in touch with my emotions still. Yeah. But uh, I think he really got it. You know, I think he was built for that anyway, and that's how he was doing his stuff. I don't know exactly what the the message is there. It was powerful, whatever it was. I, I think, yeah, when, when you were describing what it could be, it sounded like you were almost describing him. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's, you just don't know. And that's the cool thing about stuff. Like, to art, to me, it's, yeah. you shouldn't really be able to, to, to put your finger on it. You know, it's just supposed to make you feel good or feel something. Feel something. I had uh, Harmony Kareen on, you know, the filmmaker. Oh, yeah, I love that gummo. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I'm trying to, you know, get at something with him. But I, I think that my mistake was not really acknowledging that you, you can't ask a, an artist to sort of describe what he's putting out there necessarily. Yeah, I've done that before. I, I, uh, a buddy of mine had a, um, had a 40th birthday party roast at his house and, and, uh, um, he's an agent and has a bunch of clients that yeah. people know. Ben Stiller was there, and I'd just seen Zoolander, and I thought I'd tell him how good I thought it was. Yeah. And I was drunk a yeah. little bit, and even though it was a pretty intimate setting, and it wasn't like I just approached him, we were all hanging out, and there yeah. was a, a bunch of notable people there. Um, 
I still felt like an idiot. I was just like, how did, how could you do that? You know, it's just like, it's just, I, th- I don't know if I told him, it's just so, it's beyond stupid it's, it's, or whatever, you know, it's just so good. And, you know, I don't know that I, he, I could tell he was, he wanted me to go away. Yeah. You know, who just, bended? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, like, through my friend, you know, I'd hung out with, with some of his other clients. Jim Carrey was one of them at the time and Vince Vaughn and, and Joe Panliano were there, you know, yeah. and stuff. And it was so it was, and it was at his house. And I've yeah. known this guy since we were kids, yeah. anyway, he, through the punk rock scene early on, uh-huh. before he was an agent. And so I was kind of an odd duck out, anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we had we had a roast, and yeah, I always got along good with Jim Carrey. <clears throat> he just seemed like the same dude, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So and I never felt uncomfortable around people that are doing performing arts or whatever, you know. It's, but but yeah, I think I do think a lot of people are more sensitive than I, 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 than myself. But then you realize, you know, that it, it, you know, like even like especially funny people, they tend to take themselves seriously at some point. Well, I'm a rube too, you know. I'm, you? I'm a, yeah, I'm, I'm from Phoenix. You <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, I lived yeah. there for thirty years, and and uh, you know, I've had plenty of opportunities to grow up, but I still put my foot in my mouth all the time. So did plateau come from, just looking out? At Phoenix? Well, yeah, for sure. You know, there's that, the obvious. And it's yeah. also like, you know, some some of the Alan Watts, there's a little bit of just dumb philosophical yeah, yeah, yeah. musing in there, and you just kind of tie it all together. But I was always influenced. I still have to go back to Arizona now and then. And I go to New Mexico, too. I'll go up to southwestern Colorado. I love to go to Mesa Verde, Grand uh-huh. Canyon, uh-huh. you know, uh, what have you. Clears you out? just there's nothing like it yeah you know just got to have that you, you just don't even know until you, you go back like what's been eating you until you realize oh you know, oh here here i am again yeah thank god i'm in the desert again right this is great right you ever do the death valley thing never been to death valley yeah never have never drove through it not even it's crazy man that's what everybody tells me but you know it's I just, a little hotter man so a little more menacing you, like you, even out you ever go out by joshua tree yeah, yeah, that's great. Oh, that's fucking insane, man. That's that's why I kind of like go. Okay, well, this is kind of reminding me of, yeah. of Arizona. Yeah, yeah. I like that part of Southern California, and the same with Texas is the same thing. Go to Big Bend, and you can kind of go. Oh, all right, I'm yeah. getting, I'm feeling it. I'm yeah, feeling yeah. It. It's that, it's that, that. Yeah, that's it. That's it's it. The desert's a, its own thing. You yeah, know, yeah, whatever yeah. It, it is about that. Oh, I love the forest too. I mean, I love to go up to whatever to go up to to ban for glacier or uh-huh. what have you oh, uh-huh. i just love the outdoors uh in that i like it when there's not a whole lot of people around and you can see natural beauty it's what everybody likes about it Same but that, there's something about that flatness about that desert thing man yeah and, and then the, the rises yeah, yeah, yeah and the dryness big oh, part of about man. the southwest yeah because it trips you out even if you're not on nothing well yeah everything's so clear there's no yeah, there's yeah. no no humidity so everything is just you know it's high def. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and there's no there's no protection. You really feel like you're on a planet. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. You don't yeah. get that cottage feeling. You know, when you're out there, you get laid open. And if you know you run a, you've been you know messing around with cactus or whatever. Yeah. You know, crap that you've been doing. You know, then you really see it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever do the cactus? Oh sure. Yeah. Did, now you, you couldn't find that shit around here though. Could you find it wild? Or you had to go back then. Oh, not yeah. wild, no. But it was around before that peyote. They tasted shitty. Man. Yeah, it was shitty. Yeah. Uh, 
once again, something I just, you know, just, I, I don't think I ever really sought that stuff out. I just, growing up in my neighborhood, it's where, you know, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. somebody would come around with a big wreath made out of it of concentrically larger buttons. Know, yeah, yeah, buttons. Yeah, yeah. And buttons. You, oh, it tasted horrible. But oh, then all yeah. of a sudden you're just laid out naked like a root pulled yeah. up. And, you know, and, <laughs> and there's no going back. But you can hop around still, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's like, ooh, oh man, whoa, make it stop just for a second. <laughs> just so I know I'm not going to be this way always. Uh-huh. Yeah, and cause even like it's weird. If you trip before, even when you talk about it, you start to feel it, don't you? A little. <laughs> yeah, at the strangest times, you know, you never know what, where that's going to click on all of a sudden and where you're just locked in and everything's just like wow yeah. right a lot there. of times yeah, in, yeah, the yeah. Store, in the grocery store in the grocery store just when you just when you don't need it the most you know when you're <laughs> trying to find a can of spinach or something and all of a sudden you know there's <laughs> things are breathing yeah and those shopping carts are actually you know very advanced little vehicles and, and <laughs> yeah i know and there's there really is nothing finite yeah, I and mean, there isn't. Yeah, it's probably true. What, I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, what do you think about the end? You know, I don't. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't work. My mind just it's the same way. I think about a lot of stuff. I'll I'll go. Okay, I'm just gonna meditate on this, and the next thing I know, I'm thinking about Hazel and Mr. Ba Mr. Baxter, and <laughs> and uh, you know, and then <laughs> poof, I'm I'm you know off thinking about you know how cool rhinoceros is and then you know my mind just it won't do it it won't stop yeah it doesn't it do, I, i've always had a little bit of that whatever it is uh you know just I'll, uh, you know i don't have a, a broad attention span yeah a lot of times do you get a do you got a god thing going or no it's, i think i'm way too mortal for that i feel way too way no i mean like do you believe in one I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That's how I was raised, though, once again. My mom was agnostic or whatever yeah, yeah, they yeah. call it. Yeah. She told me that always. That's how I was raised. Nobody knows. Right. So, and uh, I never had early on anybody. And so, and, you know, I've seen whole, you know, you know, flocks of saints walking across the field, you know, in the forest or whatever sure. before. But I don't know what that is I, you know are they civil war ghosts or is it you know are those martians i yeah. i don't know what i don't know why are they here yeah what <laughs> i mean now i know i'm seeing them but i obviously didn't yeah but then that kind of thing makes you think well just so everything's real if i think about if i thought something up you know even if it's just like you know the the dumbest thing well it's, it it could be real somewhere maybe sure. it's real maybe it's real in your mind maybe not probably not but all this stuff to me is once again I don't really dwell on it I I just if it's if it's not something I can put my hands on and I I just don't dwell on it very much right right uh, I like tactile things like that and right. just and, let the, the the visions pass without making too big a deal yeah yeah i don't want to talk about them too much or people start going i don't know there's a, a million beautiful things to see yeah you yeah, know yeah. and and i've always got my eyes open for something that i think is cool and and uh 
you know, about as philosophical as I get really is crossword puzzles. I love them. And, yeah. uh, and you know, that's thinking. And yeah. it's like, it doesn't really appeal to me in a lot of ways. Yeah. But at the same time, once I've written it down, I feel a sense of accomplishment. And yeah, and, uh, yeah getting that word right not nothing. <laughs> you know, simple pleasures are fine for me in a lot of ways. Real quick, uh, I feel silly going back to it, but so you do Unplugged, and now you've got, like, you must have had a couple of hundred thousand new fans who didn't know who the fuck you were, who were like, what's up with this? Did that, did like, you know, just on a, on a business level, I mean, did, did Meat Puppets 2, like, blow up again? No, uh, Too High to Die became a big record. The and one that, after. Yeah, that yeah. went gold real fast, and we went out on tour with Stone Temple Pilots, this is 94. We went out for three months. Yeah. It was a massive stadium tour. What And uh, uh, people, I don't think they still, they weren't putting, they knew the song, the Backwater song. Right, but right, they, right. But, and you could say, ah, Backwater. Oh, yeah, I know that song. But, that's but that, they don't know Meat Puppets, really. right? Right, And Did uh, that bother you? No, no. Yeah. It's just, it's a, you know, the, our band was always, you know, I, I realized that it's an acquired taste or whatever, that it was a, it wasn't necessarily what mainstream would be and the way we approach things, even if we, you know, nailed it down for some reason, because possibly because we never pursued it and people always wanted us to, especially at the major levels. And yeah. we, we'd go and we'd make the records. You know, we, we were lucky to work with people that w we really liked, like Pete Anderson and Paul Leary and stuff. But, From um, the Butthole Surfers? Yeah, he produced the, the Too High to Die record with Backwater and that stuff. Are you friends with those guys? I had been friends with them since like 82. They were some of the first, they called us, they looked us up in the phone book when they went through Phoenix and uh, and called us up out of the clear blue. So I'd known them for years by then. And But like they're like, I, you guys share a sensibility in a way. Huge. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, the, they were like always our, you know, our, that's the, the we, uh, you know, acknowledgedly kind of have that similarities that's not really stylistic, but what we are is, you know, that's that's it, you know. I, those are some of my favorite people too. Gibby and Paul and King are great people. Yeah, I mean, I've 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 sat down with their fucking records, you know, just like you know, trying too hard to sort of like figure out what the fuck is going on, and yeah. and then I realize like, dude, that, maybe that's not the right approach to this thing. Yeah, <laughs> you just let it happen. Yeah, yeah, that's it. There's a there's a lot of smarts in there. Yeah, and there's a a lot of creativity, but you know, you, you definitely don't want to think about it too much. <laughs> great, you know, it's a great musician stuff. Yeah. And, and Paul, you know, he did a, he's get, he, he's, he, he always, you know, for instance, I am Paul just love Willie Nelson, like, you know, phases and stages, probably one of his, if not his favorite record. So by the time we do, you know, too high to die, when we do something like with an acoustic guitar and yeah. or whatever it is, he wants it to be like that. You know, and be, you know, to 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 be appropriate and be considerate of the song. It's a great production thing, and we did that. But it was, you know, uh, one really. It was trying to try to make good music, and the record went over pretty good. But and a lot more people knew about us. But um, that just exposed me to a lot of more uh, popular stuff, uh -huh. just by being out with Stone Temple Pilots and uh, having. You know, people say all this stuff to me. Just the, the Martian Chronicle part of me, the whatever that is, that it's like, uh, or Zelig. You know, yeah. like I'm around stuff and I become it. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, 
And then the next record was real heavy, kind of, and I was just like, woohoo! Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, which you know, I'm all down, I was down for all of it. I, it's, it's really, it's really cool to have a band like the Meat Puppets have some mainstream success because you're such a fucking asshole to begin with, yeah. you know? And then all of a sudden there you are and you're like, ha ha, fuck you. Yeah. you know, here we are. <laughs> you like it or not. <laughs> Did does uh, does Beefheart play into your world at all? Huge, yeah, <clears throat> yep. That was also saw him in 1980. I saw the last shows he ever did, two shows. Three, was he three, wasn't he out in Arizona? He did for a little while, mm-hmm. yeah, and then back to California. Uh, I never met him, but I did see him. It was like right, right before as we were starting to meet puppets in 1980. Chris and I drove out there. He did three nights at the Whiskey. It was the last time he ever played. I met. Um, I met the mother's spouse that night, both Bob and Mark. Uh-huh. That was a big thing for all of us, you know, kind of arty punkers yeah. at the time, seeing Beefheart. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Because it doesn't, it, he was a, the root of it, a lot of it, right? Yeah, I think he, I think he had it nailed, that freedom. And also just in terms of being a composer, I don't think there's anybody like him, not Stravinsky, not Tchaikov, I mean, uh, Prokofiev, mm-hmm. not Webern, not the random stuff. Yeah. Not free jazz, nothing like Beefheart. That's in the whole it's it's its own thing. Where, where do you think it kind of? Because like you know, quite honestly, you know, Beefheart's been hanging over my head for years, and I'm just now, you know, starting to 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 really dig in. So how do you think he evolved when you listen to his shit? I mean, you know, what do you think happened? Oh, R and B. You could hear that with Diddy Wah Diddy. Right? Yeah, 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 for sure. It's like, and you know, Holland Wolf. Yeah, and, right. And uh, and then. Uh, you know, but I think early on in California, he got popular with bikers doing, like I say, like Diddy Wah Diddy and that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff. But he is a sculptor, and uh, initially, uh-huh. and uh, he got a, apparently got a, a, a scholarship to 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 a school in France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his parents wouldn't let him go because they thought artists were suspicious or uh-huh, something like uh-huh. that. And I think sculpting always played a lot, in it. I talked to some people who played with him. Cliff Martinez, who played with the Chili Peppers, played drums for a while. He played on Ice Cream for Crow, uh-huh. and he t- he. I said, "What's you know, what's that like?" He said, "Well, he's he's real demanding. He stands right over you, and it's like like this." But he said he'll he'll draw pictures of how it's supposed to. Like, he doesn't write it out. It's not musical notes. He'll draw right. little di- pictures and diagrams, uh-huh. which uh, that appealed to me. It's geometry uh-huh. and abstract geometry. Uh-huh. I get that. It's like you wonder how much of 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 Beefheart early on defined Zappa and which way that went. I think I I don't equate them as much. But they were together. Yeah, for they were together. Time. And I hear people say, "Oh, you know, Zappa got a lot off of Beefheart or whatever." And some of the musicians that have played uh, I think he probably was really eccentric and I think uh but they they're two different things. I love Frank Zappa too. That's just another one to me that's just you know, just amazing discipline as a as yeah. a rock band, prolific as fuck too. Uh huh. A great guitar yeah. player. People oh, yeah. never never they don't say it enough. What a great guitar player Zappa was. He could really shred, and uh, you know, uh, 
that happens when you're when you're really good at like Todd Rundgren's another one who's just a sick guitar player and uh, doesn't get the credit. Yeah, or people like Prince is another one. What a great, great guitar player! Oh, yeah. How many people that are into Prince just know Purple Rain or whatever? Right, I mean, right. He does it, a lot of times. He's, I think, with guitar heads, every people might know that, but you know, I right. Zappos to me is uh, that's kind of his his own thing. I never really equated him that much. I love. When they what they did together, I love the, uh, the whatever the uh, I would think it was done here at the uh, Armadillo World Headquarters. The uh, when Beefheart was out singing with Zappa, yeah, and uh, I think they were their buddies. But I don't know. I'm sure they influence each other. Musicians influence each do you other ever all find, time. Do you, do you find uh, do you ever get that thing where you're where you see somebody that you've directly influenced or do you pay attention to that shit? Does it? Uh, have an effect on you? Do you see guys you like today that are like, you know, that's pushing the envelope there? Yeah, yeah, everything. You know, yeah. I, I'm easily influenced that way. I like have to watch it sometimes because I'll just go right down the rabbit hole if I go and see something and it's amazing. Yeah. I'll be, you know, I'll think I want to do that for a while until I make a fool out of myself. <laughs> like, when was the last, what was the last mistake you made along those lines? Whoa. I don't know. I think I'm still trying to recover from seeing Leonard Skinner when I was a kid. You know, honestly, I think the the Ron Van Zant orientation and the vocals, uh-huh. the the and the you know, my grandmother taught me how to to growl with my voice when I was a little kid and do, do the you know sort yeah, yeah, of thing yeah. and yeah and uh, you know so that's so. still reverberating. Skinnerd and growling, it, it, it can come out. Sure, yeah, you know, I mean, and once again, Skinnerd was well beyond just being a uh, southern rock band they're just I mean maybe they that's what they were to themselves and maybe that's what they really are but they're a really great band great but band. live it was just like uh, that that put the put a you know a, what, a, what do they say put set the, the, the not, bar set the bar up real young for me like that's what a band can do live they were tight as fuck right yeah and just like pushing it just where you were just like holy shit and you know <laughs> Guitar arm, real naturals. Yeah, you know. I guess yeah. they just did it a lot. So this newest record, how do you uh, how do you rank it among your records? Um, I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea, man. But I, you like it? I I always like what I do. I always think it's great. You know, okay, I, th- I I wouldn't. I don't. You know, uh, I don't try to go over my head too much. Uh-huh. Um, I really just work to do what we're doing uh, as best as it can be done and try to respect that that's what it is try not to make too much out of it and i'm not that attached to anything either you know i just it's it's just music it's just you know sure and it's rock only rock music or whatever it's like peasant music (laughs) but it's you and your brother again yeah you guys are getting along all right oh yeah yeah We, we we never had a problem with that really it's just us don't really like uh being around people that are messed up that much. Sure, sure. I'm kind of. That's he, my sensitivity. Is he living here? He lives in Phoenix. And you? And why'd you pick Austin? You just dig it here. Mm, I lived in Venice Beach for a couple of years. I moved yeah. over there once in the mid '90s. And yeah. I, I couldn't get anything going. I couldn't get musicians to want to play without being paid to practice and stuff. And I just wasn't used to anything like that. It's right. real expensive to, and time consuming, and just about impossible. So, I knew people here. And butthole surfers mostly, and and uh, 
people that I'd met through them and knew I could put a band together here. So I moved over here and did that. It was great talking to you, man. Thanks, Mark. It's yeah. good for talking to you, too. It was a awesome. lot of fun. That's it. That's our show. Thank you for listening. Go to WTFPod.com. You people who are newbies or people who are just coming to the show and you missed about 400 episodes, only the most recent 50 are available for free on the site there. Oh, LA PodFest is coming up. Uh, go to LAPodFest.com. That's this weekend. Um, what else? Oh, yeah. So get the app. You can upgrade to the premium app for almost nothing and stream every episode of WTF if you're just getting to the, getting into the podcast. Uh, get yourself some Just Coffee at justcoffee.coop or go through the link at wtfpod.com and get the WTF blend. I get a little back end on that. Go to the merch site where I think we've got the new uh, WTF cat bowls up there and the uh, ceramic mugs are coming back and there's a new t-shirt up there. So if you want to do that, leave a comment on the comment board. Enjoy. Everything's going to be okay. Right? Boomer lives! <laughs>